America is the greatest country the world has ever known. We are a nation of immigrants, pioneers, and patriots. Together, we create the bold, beautiful fabric that is America. We are the city upon the hill, a beacon to the world. America is the land of freedom and unlimited opportunity. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every Friday as I spotlight those who embody the American values of faith, courage, and heroism. We the people have stories to share, stories to uplift and inspire. You will feel proud, humbled, and blessed to call yourself an American. Tammy had a great love of red, white, and blue before she even understood the fervor she felt for this great country. Tammy is a mother of eight children. Six of her seven sons served in the U.S. military. Tammy shares with us the profound loss she experienced when her 15-year-old son, Troy, took his own life and how that sorrow was compounded when years later, her son, Brent, was killed in Afghanistan. Through it all, Tammy still had a great love and faith of family and for the American dream. This is Tammy's American Story. Welcome to today's episode of We the People, Our American Story. My guest is Tammy. I am thrilled to have her with us because she is a huge patriot and comes from a patriotic family. And I don't want to waste any more time. Tammy, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. It's a privilege. <laughs> Before we get started, I want to play a little game to loosen us up, okay? And I'm All going right. to ask you a few simple questions. Ice cream, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Sunrise or sunset? Mm, sunset. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Fall or spring? <laughs> Fall. Ooh, me too. Fall's my favorite. How about Europe or Hawaii? Hawaii. And my last question is, is motherhood for wimps? Yes or no? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning here. I read in your bio, which I find fascinating. You live in the home that you grew up in? That is right. We had moved around a little bit. We left Utah, gosh, about 12 years after we got married and, and my husband had graduated from school and we went to California for a couple of years. We lived up there and, and actually in a cute little mountain community, Placerville was just outside of it. But anyway, um, we lived there for a few years and then we went to um, Arizona for 15 years, which was all that I could stand of the heat. <laughs> I don't like the heat either. And I had been asking my husband, you know, please, let's move back to Utah. Please, 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 please. And finally, my mom was ready to sell the house and he knew how much I wanted to get it. And so he said, all right, let's go. <laughs> so, so we moved back here and we've been here for about 16, 17 years now in our, in this home. I love it. I, I loved all my neighbors, especially when we moved back. There were still a lot of our sweet little old neighbors that were still here. A lot of them have passed away since then, but Oh my word, it's, it was just the most wonderful place to grow up. It was on an acre, you know, of land. And we also bought some acreage next to us. So we had a big, huge lot that the boys could go out and play paintball in and everything. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful place. And I remodeled it, you know, to where I really, really love it inside because it was 70s, <laughs> you know, when we got here. It was probably all uh, brown. Well, green. Oh, well, I'm green. green. <laughs> that too, <Yeah>. or orange, right? <laughs> Yeah, both. 
it's been really fun. I just have really loved it. And my husband has just grown to really love it. And all, all of our sweet neighbors, we love them. Did you come from a patriotic family? Did you have any, like your father or grandparents that served in the military? You know, my dad was colorblind. And at the time that they were taking all them, they did not want colorblind. And so he, and he also had asthma. They gave him a exception or whichever, which so he didn't like, he would have rather served. His brother was in the military. So my uncle served and um, I never did get too much because they lived in Idaho. I didn't get a chance to really ask him. And I, of course, as a little kid, I wasn't really that interested anyway, but in what he, you know, did in the army or whether he was in battles or what, I don't know. But um, he was the only one of my family that was in the military. My parents weren't overly patriotic. As I was thinking about it, it was more the things they did that just taught me a love of country. And, you know, things like standing up for the Constitution and um, talking about heroes that served our country and things like that. And then it wasn't anything that was really something I had a passion about growing up. But after I got married, I don't know what kicked in, but I just began to love this country with such a fervor and passion. And it's just stuck with me. I like you, I think it's the greatest place on earth. I think it's a divinely inspired, it's government and it's constitution. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. In fact, I'm always hesitant to go out of the country. I just, I love it here. You know, I fly the flag all the time. From a very young time in our marriage, I'm trying to think how far back I started using red, white, and blue in all of our decor. And I didn't even realize it until <laughs> one of my kids one of my kids said, had a newspaper. In fact, it was Brent. They were doing a newspaper article. And he said, yeah, my mom decorated with red, white, and blue forever. And I'm like, oh, I didn't. He said, mom, this and this and this. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I gravitated to. Isn't that and funny? You can't pinpoint it. It just kind of happened. No, it did. And I just love it. I am over the top now. <laughs> Is your Christmas tree red, white, and blue? I have two red, white, and blue Christmas trees. I also have a normal one, but I tend to go over the top on Christmas too. So <laughs> I love that. Well, then yeah. your children, let's talk about that because you have an enormous, I mean, it's your kids that served in the military. Can you tell us a little bit how many children you have and how that came yeah. about? That's amazing. Well, we had quite a few children right off and, you know, they kind of spread out a few, but the first four were each a year apart. When I just started buying books and things, I bought things about American history a lot of times, or when I would hear something about a, a certain patriot or a hero, I would turn around and tell them about that. And I remember specifically talking about Jeremiah Denton, who was a prisoner of war during Vietnam, one of the longest held, I think he was eight years and I told him them his story. And there was a song about him that I used to play. It was called, It's an Honor to Serve. I did things like that all the time with my children. It was just something I wanted to pass on to them because I wanted them to understand what a blessing they have living in this land. And I wanted them to feel that they needed to serve in some way. I never said in the military, but you know, that's evidently how it came through because Suddenly, they all started joining the military. I never realized they were listening so well, I guess. It's just 
Well, that and really 9-11 was a catalyst for them. Even the younger ones, even though they were young, they said it was from that moment they knew that they wanted to serve. And so for my children, each of them, that was the thing that the most important thing. I know because we did a, an interview, a newspaper interview on this one time uh, 10 years ago when it was 10 years. And they all said it was 9-11 that it was the catalyst for them surprised me but it was such a huge impact for them to see that unfolding in front of their eyes you know we all watched it 24 7 for how many days they have always said mom it was always the stuff that you taught us (laughs) you know we got it from you so you shouldn't be surprised how many children do you have we have eight children one daughter seven sons and um, six of the boys uh, joined the military our seventh son, unfortunately, took his life when he was 15 years old. And But I know that he had also talked about joining the military. He probably would have. And it wasn't anything that was, none of them put pressure on each other or nothing that they weren't expected to. It was something that they wanted to do. And there were advantages as well, because they have um, taken advantage of some of the educational benefits and things. But they felt like the 9-11 attacks were what really made them want to serve. And in particular, one of the sons, Brent, he actually has a journal that we've had that that he talked about how he could not not go to war when his country was fighting. He said, I just cannot feel like I could hold my head up among my ancestors and all those who have given their lives if I didn't do my part. You know, our boys, several of them have been deployed over the years. But they've all volunteered for those every time. It's just inherent in them. And I knew early on, I did not want to discourage that, even though it was something frightening for me and very worrying. I didn't want to discourage them. I knew that it was what they felt like they needed to do. And I still, to this day, that's kind of how we roll. If that's what they're going to do, I'll support them and pray for them. Who was the first to join and what services did they all join? My oldest son, Matthew, you know, I don't know. Can you see a picture if I show you a picture? Yes. So this is a picture of them, but all in uniform at the same time. And actually this was the day that their brother died. They were the pallbearers and we took pictures of them afterwards and they had all dressed in their uniforms for him. The oldest son, Matthew, Uh, was the one who joined the soonest. It was kind of a rush for him and Brent, who were a year apart. He wanted to be first. They were very competitive. So he zipped in there and got it done when he knew Brent was getting serious too. But actually Brent, the next one over here, he had wanted to join up during high school and was very disappointed when I would not let him. (laughs) I I wanted him to go on a church mission first and I just didn't feel like he was ready to handle the military. (laughs) You know, he always gave me a hard time for that because he lost two years or whatever, you know, (laughs) but it worked out for him. I actually had later some of the younger ones, Devin and Travis, they ended up signing up in high school because I had relented by then. (laughs) What branches did they all join? They all joined the army guard for all of them, except one, Brian, he went into the regular army. I don't know why, probably because they had their brother's experiences to hear from and, and they felt like it was a good, a good branch. In different units, all of them different, you know, MOSs, they call them, but 
but they all have served. And let's say the two, there's two of the others that have deployed. Actually, when our son Brent was killed in Afghanistan, two others were slated to go. In fact, a youngest that was in the military, Travis, was actually in Colorado at the time for pre-mob. And uh, they called him back, of course. And uh, then Derek was slated to go in February. He's in the Arizona Guard. Sorry, I, I always forget to say he's in Arizona. <laughs> he was also called, told that he could not go. Several of them tried after that to get in. It was quite a while before they could get, uh, get another deployment. Devin did end up going again. And Matthew has tried really hard to get on again, but he's had some medical things that have kept him back. They've all want to do that. Well, I'm going to go in a different direction here for a minute. You mentioned your son, Troy, right? Yes. Um, geez, that's hard. Is there anything you want to say about that? I don't know if there's, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's just my experience, but I don't know if there's a more tragic way to lose a child. I, I guess a murder would be, but to have them take their own life is just so, it's just, you feel like it's such a waste and such an unnecessary end. Um, you know, we didn't understand at the time, Troy, you know, I, I have to say this, I should say this, but several of our children do suffer from depression and um, terrible depression. And uh, I didn't realize that Troy was having issues. You know, I guess I should have, but I've been kind of clueless about the depression for a long time. We had had an, a, another child that had tried to kill you know, themselves and um, just kind of chalked that up, you know, to, I don't know what, just, I took her to some counseling and that, and, you know, we went on with life. But now that I look back, knowing what I know, I can see how much all of them struggled, the ones that have it. There's at least half of our kids that have it really bad. Troy was, you know, he was just a normal teenager, I thought, just going through teenage stuff, you know, he didn't want to do the stuff he was supposed to do sometimes, he slept in, he didn't, he slept school a lot, you know, things that I actually asked the counselor to talk to him and ask him if there was anything going on at school, you know, bullying or anything, and they said, nah, it's just, he said, it's just, can't get out of bed in the mornings or whatever, and I should have known, but I didn't know, <laughs> I'm just a mom, thinking that they're normal things, but, um, he was only 15, right? 15 years old. And it was just out of the blue. I mean, I have to tell you that we were all so taken back by it. You know, his friends, when they found out, could not believe it. And in fact, to, to this very day, some of them will still ask me, don't you think it could have been an accident? And I'm like, no, it couldn't have been an accident. But if it makes you feel better to think that, Okay, but Troy was the one who had the funny. He was the, always the one that made them laugh, that always was, you know, dragging them to do something good or whatever. They couldn't believe that he would do that. Of course, I found him that day, and it, had, it was a terrible day. We had argued several times that day. Uh -huh. And so for me, it was totally, I felt my fault, you know, that I had pushed him and, you know, into something. And, you know, the things we had argued about were so stupid in the end, you know, as mortals, as puny humans, we could understand, you know, what's really important sometimes. And I, I, I felt like that day I was just uh, so, so focused on 
things that didn't matter. And uh, when I found him, I just, I could not believe it. We could not believe it. We'd never have thought anything like that. In hindsight, there are some things. We had guns in the house. We were hunters. You know, we liked to go target shooting. Troy was trained with guns. He had gone through all that. He knew what guns were for. I told him where the guns were because he was there alone a lot. And we have a big open wilderness behind us that I just thought there's always weirdos back there. I let him know. And I just did not realize part of what I felt was that he had betrayed me by taking that and using that. He basically took a gun a year before and we could not find that gun anywhere. We didn't know if he'd taken it. We didn't think so. And so that's the thing that lets me know he was thinking about this for a whole year. And in fact, several times during that year, I would go down and I would go into his room and I, the door would be locked and I'd get him to open the door. And I'm like, what are you locking the door for? Are you afraid? Well, the day I found him, he, he, the door was locked. And so I know what he was doing on those days that the door was locked. And so that in a way actually saved me from feeling complete guilt because honestly, I felt like I would die of a broken heart that day. And I still just kills me because I felt so much guilt and pain and I just can't imagine a more tragic thing for a parent to find or a loved one, any loved one that's lost somebody, you know, every time I hear of a suicide, it just hurts me for the family because it is just such a, oh my word, just rip your heart out. And, um, I've always just said, please, if you're feeling that way, just try to hang on, try to talk to someone. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and it won't be as bad in the next minute, in the next hour, if you can hang on, especially teenage kids and young kids. I just, I wish I could hug every one of them and just say, you can get through this talk to somebody, let somebody know that you're hurting. Yeah. They probably don't know. That is heartbreaking. And I thank you so much for sharing that with me because I actually talk a lot about that with so many of my guests, because in the military, you know, 22 a day, right? Yep. And I recently spoke to Jason Redman, who's a Navy SEAL. And he talked about uh, wanting to take his life at one point. And the thing that he said that, wow, that's such a great way to put it is committing suicide is like a suicide bomber. When the bomb goes off, everybody is hit with a shrapnel and it affects everyone Everyone. around you. Everyone. Yes. Even like I said, his friends, I mean, they were all teenagers and we were just so worried that they would do something. And so, you know, I was just so worried about getting a hold of them. And for a long time, we would have them over to the house and I left my back door open for them. I said, you can come in and sit in Troy's room anytime you need to anything. You know, I just, I wanted them to feel like they had friends or that that somebody they could talk to and just try to give them a little extra support. Is it hard to go into that room now? You know, for a long time, we just left it the way it was. 
for his friends. I, I really, really told them that they could come anytime. And it wasn't ever a hard room for me to go into. I, I mean, it was like I needed that. I needed a place that was still the same. And it was really hard for me later when for some other reasons I had to pack the things up. That was the worst for me. Now I've actually put them back out. I just need that. I just need knowing that that is still there because everything else has changed so much. And so I'll just go down there and sit sometimes or just look through his stuff and uh, causes tears, but I still feel comforted being in his room. What year was that, Tammy? That was in 2011. You have your son serving in the military and it's November 3rd, 2018. And you get another heavy blow. Yeah. That was also unexpected. I mean, I had a little bit of an inkling. I don't know if you'd call it that. I had just a little bit of a foreboding, I guess I could say, several times through the year while he was gone. But it was so close and he was so close to coming home that, again, it was just a shock. And I had actually been out to Brent's home that night before I was tending kids for Jenny so that she could go on an outing with her friends, which I'd really encouraged her to do. She'd had a terrible time during his deployment with just all kinds of stuff going on with their home and everything. And um, so I was there watching the kids that night. And then I had to leave early because I had a service project that I needed to be over to our church for at about nine, I think it was. And so Jenny's mom came. I left about quarter to nine and went over to the church. And uh, it wasn't too long after that, those officers came to the door and uh, told her mom that they needed to talk to Jenny. And I had no idea that that was going on. But while we were at the church, we were cleaning up uh, the, from the service project and two uniformed men came into the gym. And I looked at him and I just was like, my husband was bishop at the time, and I turned to him and said, why are they here? And he said, I don't know if they're here to get quilts from the Salvation Army or something. I'm like, hmm. Anyway, we started cleaning up. We went to haul quilting frames down the hall, and they came with us. I'm so dumb. I, I honestly, my mind would just not accept what I think it already knew. They came with us, and they carried quilting frames and they were handing them to us as we put them in and I turned to them and said are you here on official business they hadn't said anything yet no and he said yes and I went what and he didn't say anything and I was thinking in my mind they're going to tell someone they've lost their son and I still would not accept it and my husband came out of the closet and started walking towards his office. And the two uniform officers started following him. And I went the other direction. I was going the other way. And he turned around and said, Tam, they need to talk to both of us. And then I knew it was Brent. Even though we had another son that was in pre-mob, my husband thought it was him. I knew it was Brent. And I was just praying the whole way to his office that it would be just, he's just 
wounded. He's just wounded. There's still a chance. But of course, that was not the case. And uh, it was just, I can just say, I felt like I was in a movie because when I got in there, I just started holding my stomach. And as soon as they started their speech, we regret to inform you that blah, blah, blah. I just doubled over and wept. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. And... I don't know, you could cry so much. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible day. Did you have to tell all your children? Yes. You know, it had been a wonderful morning. I was really grateful that I had not been at Jenny's, that I, I was able to have that morning of visiting with friends and doing some work for other people. And I was grateful for that. I felt like that was such a tender mercy to me. We went back to the house and started making phone calls. Well, we had to wait actually for a few minutes because the soldiers had to get from uh, the National Guard place where they'd met Jenny clear up to North Ogden to tell her kids because they didn't know yet. So we had to wait until we got the word that they had. And then we started calling our kids and each one of them was just such a disbelief and no one could believe it. Everyone expected him to come home and just resume life. Everyone always does, I'm sure. Every family that loses them. Yes, calling them and uh, getting in touch with them. You know, we felt like we, we had to go through the Red Cross for the one that was in Primo, but it turned out that he was actually home. He had come back for leave just before they were to go. And uh, we'd had to do that before with Devin. Devin, our son, was deployed when Troy killed himself and so we'd had to get him home from Iraq but it's always just a tragedy to have to tell somebody over the phone that something horrible like this has happened Mm -hmm. there's just no easy way to do it were you able to go with Jenny when Brent's body was brought back and reached U.S. soil yes yes we we and my husband also oh boy that was a it was a good experience in some ways. I mean, people treated us so nicely, you know, even in the airports. And we met with the USO who took us and pampered us. And, and uh, you know, on the airplane, they didn't know that there was a family of a military hero and they'd let us off first. It was very touching, uh, but still so, uh, so heartrending. And uh, going to the tarmac to watch them unload his body from the plane. I mean, there's just no words. Is it a spiritual experience in some ways? I think at the time, we were still in such shock that I didn't feel anything. It was just so, so hard. I always felt honored that they were honoring Brent, but it was such a wound to me, which... I felt like my heart was already shattered in so many ways. And I just thought, how can this, how can my heart even keep beating? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I think it's really hard in those first days to feel anything yeah. for me. Yes. And uh, although I have to say that there were so many tender mercies, people 
were so sweet and reached out to us and loved us in so many ways. And that's how I felt the spirit was through the love of other people. When were you able to feel peace? I'm sure it's still a struggle some days to feel that peace. It is. It is. Um, but I had come to peace with this many years before uh, when all the boys started joining. I just knew I had to be able to stay, leave it in God's hands and say, please protect them and bring them home to me. And uh, I just felt like it would, it would work out the way it was supposed to. You know, I didn't feel bitter. I didn't feel hate. Really, I mean, there were a few times when I just, I was angry at the guy who killed him. But for the most part, I just didn't feel that way. And I, and I knew Brent didn't feel that way. I told my kids, I feel like he was probably the one on the other side that welcomed that guy when he came across because he oh. was killed after Brent. Brent was that kind of a guy. He loved the Afghans that he worked with. And even though someone would have done that heinous thing, he would have been the first to forgive him, I think. Do you feel comfort knowing that Troy has his big brother there with him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me show you another picture. A dear friend of mine, actually a friend from high school, came to me on Easter and she said, I have these pictures that I had this lady do for you. And I was supposed to have them by Christmas, but she didn't get them done on Christmas. Well, she didn't know that Troy killed himself the day before Easter. And I said, this is supposed to get to me on Easter. Oh, look at That's that. That's my Grant and my Troy with Christ. Done by a dear lady out in uh, Clearfield. Her name's uh, Jean. I think it's Keaton. That was absolutely one of the first things that we thought of. Well, at least they're together. And Troy has somebody, you know. I, when Troy died, one of the first things that I was afraid of was I didn't want him alone in some dark corner, you know. And I knew that wouldn't be, but, you know, you still think that. You don't know how that works for a suicide. And so I, I was just always worried about that until I re received my own assurance that that wasn't the case. But um, it was nice to think that Grant and he are together. Well, you're part of a group that no one wants to be part of. You're with a family. <laughs> yep. You're with the, the Gold Star family, which no one wants to be a part of, <laughs> but you are. Yeah. Um, what does that mean to you to be a part of that family? It's interesting that I had always looked up to that actually, when I would love history, that was one of the things I loved was the gold star tradition and the blue star tradition. And I had a, a blue star flag that I had to have specially made with all of my boys' stars on them. Something that's such an honor, as horrific as it is, to be able to show that our family has sacrificed for this country. I have many gold star flags. In fact, I made a gold star stained glass window. I do stained glass and I have that hanging in my living room window. I have a huge gold star flag out with my regular flag. And in fact, somebody stole that, stole one of them um, earlier this year, <laughs> the gold star well, flag. I hope they needed it. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> it is an honor to be a member of that group because 
of the sacrifice, the selfless sacrifice that the families make, not only their soldier, but the families. It's like you say, the things that happen to them affect everybody else in a secondary way for the rest of their lives. You're never the same person ever again. And it just changes you and not always in bad ways, in good ways as well. You grow and you learn from what you go through. It is a club that nobody wants to be a member of. But I have to say that I have met so many Gold Star families. In fact, we just went to back to a memorial in Georgia and uh, just met some more that are just, I count my some of my dearest friends. And uh, I love, love them. But the thing that we all, you know, can talk about is our sweet soldier that we've lost. And it's, it's a hard thing, but it is a honor. I, I can't just, I can't explain it. How can you be honored that your son has been killed? It's what you have left, really, is the honor that other people give to him. Those things are what you treasure. You know, I've had people come up to me and tell me stories about Brent and serving with him and ways that he changed their lives and Afghan people who have done that. I mean, we've talked to them. They've wrote, written letters. And those are things that you cling to when you don't have them physically with you anymore. You want to treasure those memories that people have shared with you. It means everything. I would just say, you know, if you know someone who's had that experience, talk to them, tell them your experience with their loved one. That means so much. And talk, say their loved one's name, you know, whether it's a suicide or whatever. So often people are afraid to say anything, you know, they're afraid to make you cry or whatever. But oh, to hear my son's names, either of them from someone is just, it's like heaven. Because you don't hear, especially Troy. I mean, Brent is in the news all the time still. But Troy, you know, it's also touching to me when I have somebody come up to me and ask me about him or tell me something about him. It's just the neatest thing. Makes my day. When you see Jenny's children and Brent's children, how do you feel for them? What are your feelings? They've been dealt a a rotten blow (laughs) in a lot of ways. But again, I hope, you know, it will be a struggle for them every time they miss their dad at a particular event or sometime when they need him. I know that that will be a hard struggle for them, but I hope that what they can get a hold of is his love for his country. And that through that love of his country, he loved them. He was fighting for a better world for everyone, but especially for his family. And his service to his country was serving them. And I hope that they can catch that connection at some time. Because I know there's going to be times and there are times when they're bitter. But I hope that they can seize the love that he felt and the love that he was giving to those people in Afghanistan because really that's how things are changed is through someone else's love and service. I've often thought this throughout the history, the wars that we've fought in other countries, it's there that those servicemen share their testimony with people for the first times. 
And really, that's how the Lord does his work sometimes, not always, sometimes. And so when I think of that war in Afghanistan and Iraq, I know that my sons, when they went there, they shared their spirit with those people and their love for, with those people. And I hope that in the long run, that's what makes the difference, even if it's just to that one person or to their family. And, you know, people have asked us, was, you know, Brent's death a waste? No, because he made relationships there that will change the scope of what's going on in Afghanistan in the long run. No, it wasn't a waste. Everything that they did over there was to help those people. I, I hope that at some point that they have the ability to govern themselves and to utilize the things that they, they were taught and shared with our soldiers. What are you doing now to help out in a military or veteran community? Kind of tag along on Jenny's heart or uh, tail, <laughs> you know, a lot of the time, just whatever she's working on in the foundation that she started for Brent. You know, I helped out with the Christmas stuff that she did and, and uh, the gold star monument and things like that. And this 9-11 display that she just finished with, you know, I spent a couple of days there helping to set that stuff up. I just, you know, she's always got the wonderful ideas and impetus to do a lot of things. So I just stick close to what she's trying to do. <laughs> she's hard to stay caught up with too, I'm sure, right? Oh, no, yeah, I don't <laughs> even come close, but that's where I kind of focus my stuff because I want to be involved in, in the foundation work that she's doing with Brent's name. What does America mean to you? Oh boy, America is just the greatest country on earth. It's the greatest idea that's ever existed to let people be able to determine their own, their own lives, what they're going to do with their lives, their own destiny, and to have the opportunity to work to get it. No one says you've got to give it to people but they're willing to work for it if they can see that it's something they can attain, that they can get a better life if they will work for it. And it is the greatest idea that's ever existed. Really, it comes from God, the idea that you have the right to be able to pursue what you want to do that is righteous and good. That is an idea that was revolutionary when it came about by our founding fathers, and it is revolutionary. Still today, there are no countries that have that complete autonomy other than us. And it's sad to see that we're losing some of it. It breaks my heart. If I could do anything, I would want to talk to children and teach them the reality of what greatness our country is, the blessing of living here, and the responsibility of living here, because it comes with responsibility of maintaining, of preserving, of continuing to stand and defend it in whatever way you can, not necessarily in the military. It doesn't always have to be that way. There are other ways to defend it, but do something to continue to keep this alive. So much good blood has been spent to keep that don't let it die here for lack of of understanding or love for the country. It's it's the greatest place on earth. And why is everybody else trying to get in? 
if it's not, it is the greatest country on earth. Thank you for sharing your American story, Tammy. Thank you. If only we could instill in every American that same love that Tammy has for this great country. And what a great accomplishment that she could extend this love to her family who in turn felt the desire to serve this country in the best way that they knew how. I am very grateful for the opportunity that I had to speak to this wonderful lady. Be sure to subscribe to the We the People, Our American Story podcast. Leave a review and rating, share with family and friends. My guest next week is Mariela Roca. Mariela is an immigrant from Puerto Rico who served in the U.S. military and is now running for Congress in the great state of Maryland. See you on Friday.